And so, first of all, we are starting a new series today called Love Thy Neighbor. Love Thy Neighbor. And so, this is actually the very words of Jesus. And they're probably, I guess, some of his most <coughs> well-known words. Um, many people have heard this statement. Whoa, that is loud. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's the words of Jesus. That's what it sounds like, okay? <laughs> many, so many people have heard this statement without actually realizing this is actually what Jesus has said. And sometimes I find we can become very familiar with the things that we've heard a lot and we kind of miss the power behind those words. Like we hear love your neighbor and we go, yeah, I've heard that before, you know, like I've heard that, I know that, that's all good, like we can talk about something else, you know, like I already know that. But, but the thing is, is Jesus' words, they carry the power of God. And whenever we hear God's word, we need to humble ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us his word and to actually like reveal it to us in a new way. And sometimes it's actually the most simple things that are actually the, the hardest. They're the hardest to apply in our life. And so Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40, it says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so what Jesus spoke here was not new. It wasn't something new that he was saying to his people, but he was actually confirming what God had already spoken to us from the beginning. And when we read in the Old Testament where God gave um, his people the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments were like a summary of the law of God. And it's through the law he was showing his people. He was showing them, if you want to live in my presence and live, the way, live life the way I intended you to live it, then this is actually how you do it. And so it becomes like very clear very quickly that God's ways always come from a place of love. And so he's actually showing us what love really is. And so here in the New Testament, Jesus, he's here and he actually summarizes the Ten Commandments into two statements. He says, it's to love God and to love your neighbor. And he's saying, if we love God and if we love our neighbor, we are actually fulfilling all the commandments. If we don't first have this first command to love God as our foundation, then we cannot actually fulfill the second and most important command, and that is to love people. The second most important thing to love people. And so if we love God, the evidence is actually that we will love people. But if we're not loving people, then that's a sign that we don't really love God. And, you know, there's actually a love that doesn't reflect the love of God. It's a worldly love that we call love and we identify as love, but it actually, in many ways, contradicts the love of God. And 
it actually has distorted our perception of what love really is. For example, the love of the world says, you know, I love you if, if you do this for me, if you do that for me. There's like conditions attached to it. Whereas the love of God says, actually, no, I just love you. The love of the world just wants to take, but the love of God wants to give. And the distinction between the two is that the motivation of the love of the world is selfishness. Whereas the motivation of the love of God is actually selflessness. Selflessness. And the type of love Jesus was talking about here when he says, love your neighbor, it's called agape love, agape. And agape is the Greek word that was first used by the early Christians to actually describe the love of God because the way they saw Jesus' love was so different and it was nothing like what they had actually seen before. And so how do we love our neighbor like God has actually called us to love? And I've got two simple points today um, from the words of Jesus. They are simple points, but I believe what Jesus has to say to us is super powerful. So first point is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when you think about it, like, we are pretty good at loving ourselves, right? Like, like we feed ourselves, we spend money on ourselves, we think about ourselves a lot, we love to talk about ourselves, we pray for ourselves, we love to take photos of ourselves, you know, like, we're very good at loving ourselves, you know? And I was thinking, when someone takes a group photo, and you're going to look at that group photo, who are you looking at first? It's ourselves. And it's like, if we're in that photo, when everyone's taking the photos, it's like, if we look good in that photo, then it's a good photo, right? If we look bad in the photo, it's a bad photo, no matter what everyone else looks like, you know? And so it's, it's, we naturally seek what's best for us. And Jesus is saying, the same way that you seek what is best for you is how he wants us to love others. Now, if you're willing to do something for yourself, then there will be times where God will lead you to do those same things for others. Like if I'm willing to buy myself a coffee, should I then be willing to buy someone else a coffee? If I'm willing to pay for my meal, should I be willing to pay for someone else's meal? You know, Let's take it a step further. If I'm willing to give myself a home, if the opportunity arises, should I be able to open up my home or give someone else the opportunity to have a home? And when we think about loving our neighbor as ourself in this kind of light, it's challenging stuff when we kind of pull it apart. And you know, does this mean, oh, we have to pay for everyone's coffee and we have to pay for everyone's meal and we have to open up our home to every single person that we come into contact with? Well, no, we, we can't practically do that and it's not a wise thing to try and do that because we'll be faced with the needs of people wherever we go and God has not called us to fulfill every single need. But what God has called us to do is to listen to his voice and to be obedient to his word in loving our neighbor 
in loving the people God has actually brought into our world. And our neighbor, are the, neighbor is the people like near us, people around us that God has brought into our life. And so that could be literally your next door neighbor, could be the person you're sitting next to right now, could be your friends, your family. That includes your enemies as well. Um, that's something that can be a challenge sometimes. But it includes the people you don't get along with. And, you know, sometimes there will be times when, when God will actually bring specific people into your life that you don't actually know for a purpose. And I remember um, three years ago, um, I was on my lunch break at work one day and I was just scrolling through Facebook, I think it was, and I came across um, this girl's blog um, where she was, I guess, writing about her journey with God. And the year before this moment, I actually got to meet her and because she was visiting our church and I got, I probably spoke to her a couple times. She was only here for a little bit and she was moving on in her travels um, because she was traveling around, I think, Australia at the time. But at this point, a year later, she was now living in Sydney and she was doing um, C3 Bible College. And as I was reading her blog, um, God stirred up my heart and I felt God say to me, I want you to pay for her Bible college fees. And when I first heard that, I'm like, that can't be God. Like, that's too much. Like, you know, that's just me. I barely even know her. Like, why would God be asking me to do this? Like, surely that's not God. And at this point, I had, I guess, just begun doing Bible college myself. And I can tell you it's definitely not one of the cheapest things because it's something you have to actually pay for up front. It's not like uni where you get a hex debt and have to pay it later, but you have to pay for it while you're doing it. And so I'm thinking about this and I just couldn't shake this feeling. Like I went home and that, that feeling is still there. And it's one of the few times I really felt God speak to me so strongly. And this was an example of how God had brought somebody across my path for a specific purpose. And I remember this thought crossing my mind. I remember thinking, if I'm willing to pay for myself to do Bible college, then if I'm going to love others as Jesus has called me to love, then I've got to be obedient to what God is saying to me and actually pay for her college fees. And God didn't ask me to pay for everybody, but he prompted me to pay for the one, to show love to the one. And it turns out, like when I sent her that message, it was like a massive answer to prayer for her. And she was telling me like the day before, she was literally had spent the whole day crying out to God for a financial miracle. And I didn't know what was on the other side of my obedience. But when you are obedient, to God's call to love your neighbor as yourself, you actually partner with what God is already doing in the lives of those around you. You get to partner with God because God is always moving. He's always moving. But when you love your neighbor, you're actually partnering with God with that and he gets to move through you into the lives of other people. And so maybe loving your neighbor does look like giving something to them. You know, maybe you just want to bless someone for no other reason than just because you want to show them, hey, I care about you and I appreciate you and I'm praying for you. You know, there's been many times where Millie has come and just brought me a coffee or she's brought me chocolate or flowers or something just because. 
And like there's been times when I've been sick and she's come, she like would um, bring a big bag of like goodies and things to make me feel better. Maybe it looks like encouraging someone. And like a couple of weeks ago, you know, Caitlin, she sent me a message of encouragement. She just said, hey, I'm praying for you and shared with me a scripture. And just a simple thing like that can mean so much to somebody. Maybe it looks like giving your time. And, you know, when someone's talking to you, don't be thinking about a thousand other things. Don't be distracted, but, but be present with them. And give them your attention. And if maybe there's a friend who might be going through a hard time, you know, take them out for a coffee. Go for a walk, you know, give them a call. And I think Pastor Ash is actually a great example of this because I've never seen someone with a more busy schedule than Pastor Ash, but she will like still regularly make time for her friends. Like, and I can speak on behalf of all of us youth leaders, like there's been so many times I know she's got assignments due, she's got so much on her plate that she's doing, yet she will still make time to regularly check in with all of us to see how we're going and to encourage us. Maybe you need to spend time actually praying for the people in your life. You know, it's easy to say, yeah, I'll be praying for you, but actually spend some time in prayer for those people that God has brought to your attention. You know, and they may not necessarily know that you're praying for them, but I can tell you that they will notice the impact that that has had in their life. Like they will notice that. And we need to be praying to God every day to show us the people that he has brought into our life. How is God prompting you to love your neighbor? Because God wants us to show others that he loves them by how we love them. And so love your neighbor as yourself. And the second thing is, love your neighbor as Jesus loves. And in John 13, verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so Jesus, he takes it a step further here and he says, not only have I called you to love your neighbor as yourself, but I've actually called you to love your neighbor as I have loved you. And Jesus, he is our, he is our example of love. He is the greatest expression of the love of God. And we often talk about, you know, showing the love of Jesus to others. But do we throw this statement around too easily and too casually without actually realizing the weight that the love of Jesus actually carries? And I just want to spend a moment now just to read out a few verses to you that describe the love of Jesus. And as I read these, just let like the weight of these verses, just sink in for a moment. And so I'm going to read from 1 John 4, verse 9 to 12. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, 
we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And then 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were considered enemies to God, Christ died for us. So what, what kind of love is the love of Jesus? And when I read over those verses, the theme that I see carried throughout them is that it is a love that requires sacrifice. And so the love of Jesus requires sacrifice. A sacrifice costs you something. It's going to cost you something to love others the way Jesus has loved you. A sacrifice is also a choice that we make. And so to love others like Jesus has loved us, you know, we're not always going to feel the feelings of love. We're not always going to feel that, but it's actually about making the choice to love even when those feelings are not there. And the second thing is the love of Jesus is unconditional. It is unconditional. The love of Jesus didn't even stop at the point of death. Like he demonstrated his love for us by suffering on the cross. And he was willing to die so that we could have eternal life. And Jesus was so selfless in his love, right, that he didn't let pain become a limit to his love. He didn't let pain become a limit to his love. You know, the love of the world says you can love them until they hurt you. You know, if they hurt you, then you don't have to love them anymore. You, you, they, you actually shouldn't love them anymore. But how much pain do you think Jesus endured for the sake of loving us? And I'm not just talking about the physical pain. Like he went through a lot physically on that cross. And I just want you to think now for a moment of all, I guess, the pain you've ever experienced in your life. All the hurt, the rejection, the sadness, the grief, the disappointment, the fear, the shame, the loneliness. Like there's a lot of stuff that we may have experienced in our life. Imagine carrying all of that that you've experienced across your life upon yourself in one moment. Imagine the weight of that. Imagine carrying all of that in one moment. Now imagine carrying that weight of your, from yourself and carrying the weight from every single person in this room upon yourself in one moment. What about everyone in Australia? All of their pain upon you in one moment. What about the weight of everybody from, like, in the whole world? Upon one person in one moment. 
What about the pain of every single person who has ever lived and every single person who ever will live upon one person in one moment? Because that is what Jesus was bearing on the cross. Jesus, he took the sin and the brokenness of the world upon himself. And for a moment, the father even turned his back on his son. The father couldn't even look at Jesus because in that moment, it says Jesus became sin. And so Jesus, he was still willing to be rejected by his father and take the punishment for our sin so that we would not be rejected by God, so that God could receive us to himself. And how many times have we thought to ourselves? They don't deserve it. Or I can't love them after what they have done to me. But this is not the love of Jesus. You know, when people have badly hurt us, why do we wait until we've moved on before we show them love again? You know, do you wait till you've moved on to show them love again? Or do you love them even in the midst of your pain? Because what stood out to me is that it wasn't just, you know, after Jesus rose from the dead that he loved us. It wasn't just when he was all healed and whole and he didn't wait till that. But it was even while he was in the midst of his pain and his agony on the cross that he loved us. Jesus shows us that there's actually no cost too high when loving our neighbor. There is no condition where Jesus gives us the permission to stop loving them. And so how far are you willing to go to love your neighbor? The love of Jesus is undeserving. That's the third thing. The love of Jesus is undeserving. The love of Jesus, it extends to those who don't deserve it. Like what we read in Romans 5a, it says, While we were considered enemies to God, Christ died for us. And when Jesus was there on the cross, the, the people who had tortured him, you know, they humiliated him, they spat in his face, they pulled out his beard, they whipped him, they stripped him of his clothes, they were laughing at him, they were literally playing games for fun at his feet while he's up there suffering on the cross. And they did that to him. These are the people who did that to him. But Jesus says to them in that moment, he says, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And if there was a situation where you would think it would be okay to excuse someone, to not love, like I would think this would be it, right? Like, like they were in the process of killing him and they were happy about it. Like they are the last people who deserved the love of Jesus in that moment. But Jesus still loves them even then. Even then he loves them. You know, it's one thing to consider to, to give your life for a friend. But what about the person who, who lied to you? who stole from you, who stabbed you in the back, 
Maybe what if they literally did stab you in the back, like physically as well? Like, what if they committed adultery against you? What if they humiliated you and just and spat in your face and shamed you? Could you give your life for that person? Because that is what Jesus did for us. You know, we did those things against God. In living life apart from God, we actually rejected the God who loves us and who has given us life. Yet knowing what we have done, knowing that he, he still left heaven to come to earth to give his life for us. And this is the love of Jesus. You know, there is nothing we could do to change his mind. He didn't love us because of our own goodness. He didn't love us because of what we've done for him. But he made a choice to love. Because love is who he is. Is love a part of who you are? Do people see the love of Jesus on the inside of you? Because, you know, at some point, this has to go from, from being highlighted in our Bibles to actually being written on our hearts. It's one thing to hear about the love of Jesus, but it's another thing to actually be loved by Jesus and to live from that place of love. In John 15 verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. He says, remain in my love. And so if we want to be able to give love, we need to go to the source of love. And there can be times where you are like so hurt by people and in those moments it can feel like we have no reason to love that person. But the thing is, is when you have received the love of the Father, the Father's love for you, like what people do to you doesn't actually hurt in the same way anymore because you're not looking to that person to fulfill you. Like, for example, you may have been rejected by that person, but you know your Father has received you and has poured His love out upon you. And, you know, we can be like, they may not be loving me, but that's okay because I know I am loved by my Father. And so that means I can love them. Sometimes it is the person who is the most unloving that actually needs you to love them the most. Because it means they don't actually know the Father's love for themselves. They don't know the Father's love for themselves, so they cannot give that love to others. And so God is calling us to have an outward focus where the love, the same love that we have received from God, that we can actually give that to them. We can give that to them. And if we miss this part about demonstrating the love of Jesus, we actually miss the reason that Jesus hung on that cross. He came so that we might become who he is. If Jesus lives in me, if Jesus lives in you, then that means you become like him. 
And so the way that you love is the way that Jesus loved. And so when things happen to us, we can, only, we can say one of two things. We can say, okay, I'm only like this. I'm only responding like this because of what they've done to me. Or we can say, no, because, because of who he is, this is now who I am. This is now how I love others. And in Romans 5.5, 5, it says, The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know, there is not a command, like God will never give you a command that he will not give you the power to fulfill. Because we can hear that and be like, where Jesus says, love others if I have loved you. And we can hear that and be like, that's beyond me. How am I meant to do that? But Jesus will never give you a command. He won't give you the power to fulfill. And right now, I believe there is like a God-sized bucket of love that he is just waiting to pour into your heart. This is, this is a supernatural love. This is a supernatural love. And so we need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in us to be able to love like this. What God's poured into your heart is what will be poured out of your heart. And when you are full of the love of God, it will be overflowing out of your heart and into your life, into every single area of your life. God actually wants us to carry his heart wherever we go. Carrying the heart of the Father, the heart that Jesus has for us. You know, do you want to be just dripping with the love of God? Do you want the love of God just to be literally just dripping off of you onto others? And I encourage you to come before God and ask Him to give you a revelation of His love for you. Because we actually need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the love of God. Like we cannot understand this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to show us this. And so there's some powerful prayers you can pray. And I've definitely prayed these in my life. And I can tell you, like, God definitely heard, like, when you pray this, God will hear your prayer, right? God will take your word for this. He says, you can pray things like, God, show me your love is all I need. God, show me your love is all I need. God, change my heart and make it like yours. God, help me to love people how you have loved them. And ask yourself the question when you're in God's presence, say, God, how can I love my neighbor every day? How can I love my neighbor every day? When you wake up in the morning, say, God, lead me today. God, show me today how I can love people, how you have loved them. How can I show others the love of Jesus today? Because when we first, when we have received the love of God, it will overflow into every single area of our life. But it starts when we first receive that love. Receive it in our hearts. You've got to know the love of God in your life. And maybe you're here today and, and maybe you don't know the love of Jesus. You've never actually received that. You never actually know, know what that felt like, what that feels like. 
And if you've never received what Jesus has done for you on the cross, you know, I, I want to give you an opportunity to actually receive Jesus today. And so I just want everyone in this place right now just to close your eyes and bow your heads. Jesus, he loves you so much. Jesus, he died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and so that you could be restored back to God. The Bible says when we receive Jesus and receive what he did for us on the cross, we, we receive him by faith. When we put our faith in Jesus, which means we trust him and commit our lives to him, he says he comes and lives on the inside of us. And so today, if, you want, if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, I just encourage you right now just to raise your hand before God while everyone's eyes are closed. Just say, yeah, that's me. I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive the love he has for me. Or maybe you once did and you turned away from God and you stopped living by faith and you started to live your life apart from God. If that's you also, I encourage you just to raise your hand right now. Awesome. We're just going to pray together now. Um, this is a prayer where we receive um, Jesus into our hearts. And so if you're praying this for the first time, I encourage you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. But we're all going to pray together, so just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on the cross and rose again so that I could be forgiven. And today I give my life to you. I want you to lead my life. Make me more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it's the hundredth time, but if you prayed that today and wanting to give your life to Jesus, I encourage you, you know, after the service, to come down the front and just speak to one of the leaders here. We love to talk with you and pray with you um, and help you in your relationship with God. But right now, I just want everyone just to stand to your feet in this moment. And like if God has stirred something in your heart today, like if God has stirred your heart to maybe love those who haven't loved you, like I believe that today God wants to supernaturally pour out his love upon you. And he wants to fill your heart with his love. Like he wants to give us the power to actually love how Jesus has loved. And so if you want to receive that today, right now, I just want you to lift up your hands to God. Lift up your hands to heaven and say, God, I want that. I want the love that you have loved me with. I want to be able to love others the way you have loved me. And just lift your hands because saying that's saying, God, I want to receive from you today. I want to receive what you have for me. I believe right now he is pouring his love out upon you. Pour it out, God. God, open heaven in this moment right now, Lord. 
pour it out into every single heart. Every single heart here, fill it with your love. Let them know your love in a way they have never known it before, Jesus. Let them know your love, God. Let them know it. Give them a revelation, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, open up hearts that have been hard, Lord. Make them soft again. Thank you, Jesus. I believe, God, as you're filling hearts right now with your love, God, that as we go out of this place, God, that we will come into contact with people and it is through your love that is moving through us, God, that these people are going to know you for the first time. Other people are going to encounter the love of God through us, Lord. I believe people are going to be coming to faith, God, by a simple act of love that you have poured out through us into the lives of those around us. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray, God, right now, fill us to overflow. In Jesus' name, amen.